Things change quickly in football, whether it's a positive trend or a negative one. Last season, Manchester United seemed to be on the way up under Eric Ten Hag. The Dutch manager won his battle of personalities with Cristiano Ronaldo. He'd won a trophy and he'd led the team back into the Champions League. Conversely, Tottenham were living out the final moments of a tempestuous relationship with Antonio Conte and entertainment was in short supply as the Lily Whites missed out on Europe. And indeed, they lost star striker Harry Kane to Bayern in the summer. Well, fast forward a matter of months and Spurs are thrilling to watch under the hugely popular Ange Postacoglu, while United have found themselves mired in the same old issues. Injury problems, mixed recruitment, and an overall lack of direction from the club's deeply unpopular owners. With an eight-point gap between United and Tottenham, this is a game the Red Devils can ill afford to lose. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Both United and Spurs have had personnel problems this season and the football-only better squad's been hit hard by illness this week. So it's just me and the ever-reliable Mark O'Hare. Mark, we talk a lot about United's problems and we seem to talk about that every week. But you look at the league record, it is remarkable. Nine defeats already, a negative goal difference at this stage of the season, out of the League Cup, out of the Champions League. There's not a lot of good news to relate, is there? No, there's not. They've uh, they've also lost nine Premier League games from 20 this season, which is as many defeats as they suffered in the whole of last season in the Premier League. They've also scored fewer goals than Luton Town in the Premier League this season. So, you know, we could possibly go on. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a damning indictment or a horrendous campaign it's been so far. Um, Yeah, it was interesting listening to you sort of provide the the background picture for this match and talking about Manchester United last season. um, I was kind of seduced by what they achieved last year. Whilst the underlying metrics suggested they overachieved across the board, really, um, I did see what I felt was a bigger picture of progress. um, And I expected them not necessarily to kick on and and sort of challenge for for top honours or anything like that. But I thought they would be certainly in the, in the, yeah, in the debate for a top four finish at, at the very least. So to see them so far away and put in these awful performances almost week in, week out, it's been it's been confusing. Um and even the victories they've had, not just in the Premier League, but across Europe, we've said week in, week in, week out, you know, there's asterisks beside most of them. How often have United actually turned up and performed well for 90 minutes? It's been a, a rarity at best, really. Um, you look at their, their most recent Premier League victory against Aston Villa, where they were 2-0 down. And whilst they possibly didn't deserve to be two goals down in that game with goals arriving from set pieces, they, they weren't exactly performing like a side that was going to roar back and win that game 3-2. And I think Villa absolutely contributed to their downfall that day too. Uh, the Liverpool game, where they got praised for putting in together uh, you know, a, a collective performance and sort of seeing out that game and getting a 0-0, well, they got absolutely battered for the most part. Yeah, Liverpool didn't create many clear-cut opportunities, but they did have over 30 shots in the game. And, you know, ordinarily, nine times out of ten, one of those goals goes in, the game opens up and Liverpool perhaps score a couple more. So, um, yeah, and even the Chelsea game that they won at Old Trafford, um, 
again, they showed real kind of signs of, of promise in that match, but they were so open as well. Chelsea missed a, a couple of great opportunities. And, you know, you can see that in the XG, but whilst Chelsea didn't sort of rack up dozens of shots, the, of the opportunities they created, they were almost all big quality opportunities. So, yeah, there's still a, a big concern for me around Manchester United. Where, they, where do they go from here? It's such a... Yeah, I mean, I've probably got the same sort of lethargy that I'm sure Man United fans are are experiencing right now, trying to talk about them and trying to understand what's gone wrong and, and what the next step forward is for them. But um, just seeing them this weekend against the Tottenham side, this feels like a great opportunity for, for United to to put down a statement, get a good result because Spurs are missing so many players. But even at sort of 5-4, to 2.26, can we trust them? Um, I can't really, to be honest. I've I just not seen enough enough evidence to suggest that they're worth backing at that kind of price. Well, they've had so many injuries as well, United, haven't they? I mean, that that does have to be borne in mind when you think of all of the players they've missed. I mean, having Casemiro out's been massive, Lisandro Martinez being out. All right, Kev. Luke Shaw's been out for a bit. I'll, I'll allow you that. But what I would say in kind of counterbalancing it is, well, Look at the team they're playing this weekend in Spurs. Spurs have been riddled and depleted by injuries and suspension, more so than most teams in the division. They've had a head coach who came in in the summer and has had to completely revolutionise the style of play. He's brought in players who have been sort of nobodies in previous regimes. And he's managed to kind of cultivate a squad uh, and a team which are enjoyable to watch and are getting results. They might be overachieving like United did last year, but... You know, I would say his job has been possibly more difficult than Ten Hag's at Old yeah. Trafford, and he's getting much more out of his team. So I don't want to criticise Eric Ten Hag. I like him. Um, I think he was deserving of the opportunity to manage a big club in the Premier League. Um, but I think he has to be criticised for what's occurred this season. And whilst injuries are absolutely one of the reasons why United have struggled this season, I think the likes of Spurs and Newcastle and others might look at it and go, well, what about us? We've we've suffered the same fate and we've perhaps put in much more convincing displays in more often in games more often than United have. So what stands out to you here, Denmark? We're going to hear from uh, <laughs> Dimitar Berbasov in just a little while. But in terms of value here, you've already said that you can't quite trust United at those prices. What stands out? Yeah, I can't back Spurs either, just because of the number of players missing. We know Son's now for the Asian Cup. He's their top goal scorer. He's also second in assists. Uh, Madison is still second on assists and he's absent still. You've also got no Basuma, no Sars. That's your central midfield gone. Perisic, Romero, Ben Davies, Los Celso. Um, so I've made it at least six first team starters uh, and quite influential players are missing for this match. Um, about 23 Premier League goals and 15 assists so far this season, all absent. Mickey van der Ven's return is is big, so they should have at least three of their first choice back four playing. It's just central midfield and obviously Son, which are the, the glaring absentees. But there's, there's enough there for me to sort of leave Spurs alone. Uh, I think there's better opportunities to, to get them on side or possibly oppose them. Um, because they will attack this game. They've scored at least twice in 15 of 20 league games, which is an exceptional return. Um, what I didn't actually mention as well in their defence earlier was the fact they lost their their absolute sort of talisman in Harry Kane in the summer. Yeah. So to be kind of returning those kind of goal figures without him um, with such an overload of injuries and, and suspensions is, is incredible, really. So I'm happy to kind of leave the whole major markets alone. The, the bet that appeared uh, as a potential here, I did something similar with Burnley in their Friday night against um, game against Luton, was to focus 
on the corners because surprisingly only three Premier League sides are averaging more corners than Man United, uh, 6.3 per game. Now the bulk of that tally has been achieved at Old Trafford. Um, if you look at their record in front of their own supporters, they've taken at least seven corners in nine of 10 Premier League matches. They're averaging 8.7 corners per game at home, which is a, a huge tally. That's really one high, isn't it? Yeah. Really, really high. Um, I think that's down to the fact they do play with not necessarily out and out wingers, but they do play with a lot of width. Um, you think of Garnacho or Rashford on that side, um, Anthony on the other side, you know, fullbacks who like to sort of bomb on and, and support. Um, but yeah, if you look at their, their record, they've actually won the corner battle in eight of 10 home league games. Six of those wins on the corner count were by a margin of at least two corners. And in contrast, Spurs have surprisingly sort of really been quite poor in corners, um, not just in terms of winning them, but conceding them away from home, averaging allow allowing an average of around 7.7. In 10 away games, they've faced at least six corners on eight occasions. They've also lost the corner count in eight of those 10 away games, including trips to Wolves, Forest, Palace, Burnley and Bournemouth early on in the campaign as well. So you can combine Man United to win over five and a half corners and Man United to win the corner count at evens. Uh, and I thought that was a a decent way in when you don't really have to support either side and kind of the main match markets. Yeah, don't trust either Manchester United or Spurs right now, given their relative situations. Now, we couldn't preview a game between these two without speaking to Betfair ambassador Dimitar Berbatov, who played for the clubs in the tack with such distinction. First, he spoke about some of the business that Tottenham have done, specifically their loan move for the former Chelsea striker, Timo Werner, who's gone to Spurs for the rest of the season on loan from RB Leipzig. And Dimi felt that was a positive move by Tottenham. I think that this was a calculated buy because it was done so early in the, in the transfer window, which I like. Probably the manager have pointed him out as someone that he wants into his team. And I think if he is better now in front of the goal than he was at Chelsea, I think it's going to be success. If he continues to miss easy chances, goal-scoring opportunity, then he's going to be the same as he was in Chelsea. Maybe he wants to show everybody that I'm more mature now. I want to show you that I'm good enough to play in the Premier League and basically have, have a second chance uh, in the Premier League, which is a great thing. How it's going to benefit, again, we will, we will see. But so far, it shows that Angie knows how to deal with his players so they can play the way they, he wants them to play. And I don't think Timo will make an exception out of that rule. It comes down to what he thinks. Do I need to show and prove anything to the Premier League? Probably yes, if you ask the majority of people. Obviously, he won the Premier League, though, and the Champions League, if I'm not mistaken. So someone will say, well, he had the trophy to show. I think he'll have a plenty of situations where he's going to be facing the goalkeepers and trying to score goals based on how Spurs are playing football. So as long as he correct this from his stay at um, Chelsea, he was, he's going to have a legitimate proof to say, here we go, I am better than before, so I showed you all. Well, we also asked Berber just how much of a boost a win would be for either team. He feels that winning on Sunday isn't enough. They need to show more consistency than that. 
it will mean absolutely nothing if you lose the next game or the next game after that or you draw. This is how big teams are doing it. Win, 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 win. Yes, of course, you're going to lose a game or two. But you need to know when to win. You need to be ready and prepare mentally, physically, concentrated enough to get the points. You know when you're in this position where you're close to top four and you can increase the gap with your competitors. This is where the, the really big teams knows how to, to deal with the pressure. Of course, even the big teams can fail under pressure. We, we saw that many times. We're going to see it again in the future. But they are doing it so, not so often as the small teams. So Spurs, of course, they will know it's a big chance to stick close to the top four and get the points and increase the lead. So as long as they stay concentrated, they have the qualities. But the same goes for United as well. So there's a lot of similarity between both teams in the situation they are right now. And finally, we asked Dimi just how he thought this game was going to go. Uh, one new for United. Sounds boring. Uh, I hope it's not that, that the case. But I think it's a lot of stake at this, at this game. Both teams know it. And that can sometimes play with your mind and make you not produce the best game possible. Or maybe Tottenham, as we spoke, just going full forces out and just enjoy. We'll see. Always great to get the thoughts of Dimitar Berbatov. Uh, he'll be joining us again between now and the end of the season. You can also check out his thoughts on a regular basis on our website, betting.betfair.com. Also worth bearing in mind, Betfair offering a completely free acker or bet builder on football this weekend. Season sees in the description 18 plus thegambleaware.org. Let's take it across to La Liga, Girona have been going so, so well. Uh, they had a remarkable win against Atletico Madrid recently, won 4-3, despite the fact that Atletico got a hat-trick from Alvaro Morata. And Girona go to Almeria, Mark, who are pretty dreadful. <laughs> yeah, um, they definitely are. Um, yeah, obviously I want to be of Girona here, and I'm just surprised we can bat them at 175 to just to win the game on, on the exchange. Um, feels like a... A very backable price, considering the plight of these two teams. Um, uh, Girona have been one of the stories of the season in European football. There's been a few. Um, you know, Aston Villa in the Premier League. You could say Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, Brest in Liga, even Bologna in Serie A. But Girona probably trump all of their achievements so far because at the halfway stage of La Liga, they're level on points with Real Madrid at the top of the table, which is just beyond their wildest dreams, really. 15 wins from 19. Just the one league loss that came against Real Madrid, uh, where they were absolutely brilliant for the first half, and the final score of three 0 did not, you know, reflect the balance of play that day. Um, they deserve to not necessarily get something from it, but at least lose by a one goal margin at worst. Um, they've already beaten Barcelona away from home. You mentioned they they, they turned were brilliant over brilliant in that game as well. They were so yeah. good in that game, absolutely terrific. And, and you mentioned the the Atletico victory too. So. And they've done all of this when many people were expecting them to be involved in the battle for survival because during the summer they lost their top Hello, goal scorer. that was me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought this... they were going to struggle. You know, Romeo, as you, I'm sure you're going to say, Oriol Romeo went to, to Barcelona. So that was their best, what we thought, their best holding midfielder gone. Tati Castellanos went to Lazio. So, mm -hmm. you know, you lose someone at the top end of the pitch, you lose someone in the middle as well. So... I did yeah. think they'd take a step back. 
throughout the spine. They, they basically lost their, their best centre-back, their best goal-scorer, their best defensive midfielder, their best winger. Um, and their object, their objective was to survive. And they brought in six players. Two of them were on loan. One of them was on a, a free transfer. They, they spent 15 million euros in total. But their salary limit coming into this season was 51 million euros. Only six clubs had a lower budget coming into the campaign. Uh, that's 51 million euros for the year. Real Madrid's budget is 727 million euros. Um, it's just astonishing. Yeah, they, they've already achieved 48 points, which is one fewer than last season's total. Uh, they're on course for 96 if they continue this current form, which is just outrageous. Um, so what Michel has achieved there and his staff is is just breathtaking, really. And people have been sneering a little bit because of the links with the City Football Group. But I think it's important to note, too, that the, the CFG are only a, a sort of non-majority shareholders in Girona, which means whilst they do get the benefits of the same sort of infrastructure, the sharing of data, um, they're not sort of getting the, the sort of, they're not a big budget team um, able to go out and spend big money. Um, only two of their players are actually on loan from the, the City Football Group as well. So they're not benefiting but as much as you might think. So you look at the the squad, uh, Alex Garcia has been brilliant. The, the Ukrainian pair, I've, I can never pronounce the names correctly. Elsie Hankov and Dov, Dovbeek. Dovbeek's been you. amazing up front. Really, he has, really. yeah. Savino, uh, Yangel Herrera, even Stuani has been contributing. Daily Blind, Eric Garcia, these are kind of misfits who weren't really wanted anywhere else and they've, they've found a home at Girona and it's it's been working amazingly. So, yeah, 175 to win away at Almeria, who are rock bottom. Did you say they were terrible? <laughs> Awful. Yes, really they're all, bad. <laughs> yeah, they're all of those. Um, so Girona have, are unbeaten away from home, seven wins from nine. They're going to Almeria, who have totaled five points from 19 matches this season, five draws, 14 defeats. They've conceded two goals more in 14 of those 19. They've lost seven of eight winless games against the top eight, and they were thrashed 5-2 in the reverse game in Catalonia. So, yeah, I'm happy to be with Girona at 175 to win the game. Uh, we'll wrap up this one with a Bundesliga pick. We're going to feature Borussia Mönchengladbach against Stuttgart. I'll be really interested to see if Mark thinks the same as me. My feeling here is that Stuttgart trading evens is too short because Seru Girassi's away at AFCON. I know they've got Dennis Undav, they've got lots of good players, but Gladbach, five games unbeaten at home in the league, seven unbeaten in league and cup at home. They are flaky, Gladbach, but I still think at home they deserve to be a better price than this because it seems to me Stuttgart, uh, evens was a bit short. You're going to tell me now it's a great price for Stuttgart, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not, not at all. I, I would not touch Stuttgart at that price, and therefore, by default, I would be on the on the cloud back side with a. Uh, a plus start or, or whichever positive markets you can find on Gladbach. But my, my selection was just just to go for goals in this game. Um, over to an half BTTS and the goal in both halves comes in at one point nine on the bet builder. Um, these two are amongst the front runners for, for high scoring matches in the, the high scoring league that is the Bundesliga. We know all about it. 3.36 goals per game, 68% of the game is going over two and a half, 45% going over three and a half. And Gladbach have seen overs total in 15 of 16, Stuttgart in 12 of 16. They've combined to score in 28 of those 32 fixtures, which is a really, really strong base to work from here. If you're looking at overs and BTTS, uh, just including the goal in both halves gives that nice little nudge into a more palatable price. But yeah, I know there's no Garassi for Stuttgart, which is a, a blow, but I do think there's ability 
elsewhere. And if you look at the five games he's missed so far this season, Stuttgart have scored in four of them and they scored multiple goals in three of them. And I think it's kind of evened out a little bit by the fact that Gladbach are missing uh, quite a key defender in Maxi Wober uh, or Wober. Um And also, I think the underlying metrics for both sides point towards a, uh, a goal-heavy game. The, the XG averages for both are beyond average so um yeah i thought that was a an easy way to kind of into to this match expecting goals and both ends and plenty of them yeah it'll be an exciting game that one and it'll be a good test of where stuttgart are at actually because they have been absolutely sensational so far this season that's all we have time for on this edition of football only better please do remember to gamble responsibly it's well worth bearing in mind that the African Cup of Nations starts this weekend. We're going to have a daily tip sheet on our website, betting.betfair.com. We've had loads of good preview content already, so it's worth checking that out throughout the tournament. Uh, all of our shows now on YouTube, on Betfair's new channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.